it now. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather. It's ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. I've got three guests in studio. The guys from the Rage and Review podcast. I have Man About Town. Some of you might know him as Josh. I have Jerry Bear. Some of you may know him as Duty. And I have Mr. Matt Miguez. I don't use the word Mr. lightly. So, first off, fellas, good morning. How y'all doing? Fantastic, Scott. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Y'all nervous? What's the deal? Y'all good? Mama made it. <laughs> yeah, we the big time now. <laughs> y'all, y'all came to the wrong place. <laughs> y'all think you made it. Um, no, man, it's great to have y'all in. Um, you know, I've known, shoot, duty. I've, the first time I met you was you were in high school and yeah. it was on like a UL trip to FIU. That's like 15 years you, ago. Oh, you were just a kid, man. Yeah. You were just a kid. Uh, Josh, I've met you probably, what, five, six years ago? One of those guys' night out nights, probably. Yeah. Used to attend those pretty regularly. And uh, Matt, it's been a couple of years, brother. So yeah, man. I feel like I've known you guys for a little while. Um, and basically what I've always known about y'all is you have a deep passion for Raging Cajun athletics. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, like it's it it runs it runs deep. Seeing duty on you know trips back when I used to travel sometimes with football, it's like everybody knew him. They're like, look at look at this guy. Of course, they <laughs> knew think- your dad, and it would just it would just you start talking, and then you start telling stories about UL or Big Dave Thibodeau, and then oh yes, before you know it, it's like guys, it's it's four a.m. We got a we got a six a.m. wake up <laughs> call for this game tomorrow. I think I think my favorite moment with duty, and you know, cl- disclaimer, duty and I actually met in this very studio. Nice. Um, but his video from the 2011 New Orleans Bowl, he's standing there in the end zone as Brett Bear kicks it through the uprights, and he's just running down the field. Cajuns win! Cajuns win! Cajuns win! <laughs> and, and let me remind you, that day I graduated from UL. So that was a graduation day, and I got a gift, uh, a sideline pass as a gift. And I remember we had, uh, San Diego State had just scored the go-ahead touchdown with like 30 seconds left. Yeah. And I'm I'm literally like in a fetal position, like oh my gosh, we're we're about to blow it. And I just remember Blaine completing this long pass. I think it was to was it Javon Lawson? I think was it was Lawson. Number and four. Right? I remember Peoples had a big good catch on that drive too. He did. Yeah. And I just remember running down to the goalpost, thinking to myself, okay, we're in field goal range. At least let me try to see if I can get this if we attempt the field goal. And lo and behold, I turned the phone on and then. I just remember like thinking, okay, don't block the kick. And then once Brett cleared it over the San Diego State line, I can see it sailing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Yeah, you know, and just running down the field. <laughs> it was a wild crazy. moment, man. It was awesome. I, I was fortunate enough that I, I was uh, doing sideline reporting for that game and just from start to finish, I was right next to the the tight ends sort of spot on the on the field and um, just hearing their meetings and then seeing the ups and downs. And I think Shelly Smith was the ESPN sideline reporter. San Diego State scores. She runs. She darts to the other side of the field because she's thinking, oh, I need the Aztecs coach. They're about to win. Good luck trying to find HUD after that. <laughs> I got – I. it was just everyone was running everywhere. I almost got run over. I finally found them, but I have the wherewithal to, like, call up to Jay and them in the booth, like, hey, I'm ready. 
because it was pandemonium. Right. And so I just was assuming they saw me. So I and he's like, I mean, full on. I mean, I know, I know people, you know, say what you will about HUD. That moment, it was like, that was actually real. You know, I mean, sometimes HUD would say stuff, you're like, okay, all right. But in this moment, like, everything about it was so raw and real, and um, and it didn't get in the radio because he went on for, like, a minute. He's, like, on the verge of tears. Now, there was a video of it. The uh, KDN got video, and they sent it to me. But this was, like, after the fact. And so I did it, and then I finally break away, and I take the elevator, you know, 57 floors to the top of the dome, and I walk back in the, in the, in the, yeah, in the radio press box. You're like, oh. I guess when I get in a post-game interview, Prather just walked in. I'm like, what do you mean? I did it. Where were you guys? Um, where, were, where were y'all? I mean, where duty story? Where were y'all that night? I was actually in Cheyenne, Wyoming, watching it on an old big screen tube television. That's... And uh, that story is a whole lot more in depth, but I woke up a few people and there were some folks upset because if you remember different time zone, the whole deal. Um, I wasn't able to make it to the game because of work obligations, but uh, that that's a moment that goes down in Cajun's history. It's a folk moment. It's uh, it's one of those things you never forget where you were. Obviously, Duty had a monumental day. So many fans that were in attendance. It, I don't remember the attendance numbers you guys offhand. 42,000. Uh, 42,000. So it, it was the first time we really— And 39 uh, of them were Cajun fans. Yeah. Easily. 100%. Easily. And it was the first time we really made a mark on the national scene and— uh, you know, just being kind of removed from it was actually a blessing in disguise because I could sit back and soak it in as it was happening. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I would say that would that that was a positive for me being able to just soak it in because, you know, like Duty and Jerry, as long as I can remember, I've been coming to these games and that was, I mean, it was a special moment. Uh, Matt, what about you? So it was my freshman year of high school and I was sitting in the back corner of the end zone. Um not the one that they kicked the field goal in, but after Brett Bear made it, they sprinted down to that opposite corner of the Superdome. I was in that corner. That's right. Zone. That's right. Um, but funny story, it was also the night of my freshman high school homecoming. Needless to say, my homecoming date was not too happy with me that I skipped homecoming for the yeah. Orleans Bowl. Forget but, you know, yeah, whatever. Right. It didn't work out. Where right? is she now? Right, no, it, it did not. <laughs> it, didn't work out. it did not work out. Man, that's a late home, homecoming in December. That's a late one. Basketball school. All right, ESPN1420.com. Some raging podcasts by the fans for the fans or something like that. Absolutely. There it is. I say um, it backwards every time. So, uh, so we got uh, Jerry Bear, we have Josh, we have Matt, and I wanted to have you guys on because I, I bring people on that do podcasts a lot, but they're from different places. You guys are right here. Um, and I also know a lot of people, they sort of start a podcast and then – they get excited and they're like, "Oh, this is awesome!" And we're going to do this and that. And then they realize, you know, this is this is not as easy as I thought it would be. Uh, it's time if you want to do it right. There's there's a good bit that goes into it. If you want to if you want to make a mark, I mean, anybody can just record and hope somebody discovers it, but they won't. You've got to really go out there and put yourself out there. And you guys, you know, have stuck with it. Um, at least from my perspective. I mean, what, what has it been like? What's the reception been like? Because I know. You know, Cajun fans might not be as big as a fan base at I don't know Alabama, yeah, but they are. Um, you know, the the <laughs> there's a good bit of them, and they're they're passionate as hell. Yeah, you know, four years ago when I started this, I really I didn't expect much from it. You know, it was just kind of a passion project. I figured, you know, an iPhone headset, 
my phone and my voice and, you know, go from there. And then I started working here a couple years ago and you kind of helped me, you know, learn some tricks of the trade and gave me, gave me some avenues to help it grow. I met Jerry, brought Jerry in as a co-host, met up with Josh, brought him in as well. And then, you know, when the three of us came together, that's when it really exploded. Mm-hmm. Right. The the chemistry was inevitable and uh, the, the, the growth that we've been able to make, especially just over the last two years has just been, it's been incredible. Well, yeah, you guys love the Cajuns and you also love to argue with each other. So that's, <laughs> we do. that's really, that's the, we those do. Are the, we do those argue. are the key ingredients. <laughs> There's something about, honestly, about hearing people debate or argue about sports that it can't, this is kind of just a tangent on my hand, but thinking about it, like when it happens sort of online, whether it be a message board, Twitter, whatever, there's something missing from it. There's something not organic. There's no nuance. It's You're not sure what the tone is. You're like, is this a joke or is this serious? Why? It's in, in, in defense of some people, I feel like it's almost easier to get sensitive because you don't really know how to read something when it's just sort of words online. And it, it, I don't know, for me, it can be like exhausting at times. Like I have friends, they'll constantly quote tweet someone to respond to everyone. I'm like, I don't, I mean, I got a two, three, and six year old. First of all, I don't have time for it. And secondly, I don't, I would rather just talk with someone and debate and argue. And I, I love that in a podcast uh, when you've got people that all have a passion but are arguing about something to sort of, I don't know, it, it feels, just more fun it doesn't it, it feels a lot more personal and yet no one is taking things personal you know what i mean and that's that's one of many reasons why i just love the podcast format yeah you know and that's the thing about with with us three uh when, whenever i met matt uh, just the fact that we had someone who's willing to take the time to create a ul fan podcast because i've never heard of any other podcast like you said i mean maybe somebody tried it one or two episodes and said i'm done with this whereas matt He's stuck with it. So I said, well, look, with my, you know, I, I've, as you know, Scott, I've done sports radio for a little while doing high school football with, with the late Big Dave. And, of course, with Mike. you on the sidelines, Oh, brother. yeah, for a few years while I was in college. Boy, and, I tell you what. Boy, man, was, man, I tell you what. Go down to my, the field. Jared Duty's down there. Duty, what'd you see? <laughs> Boy, I tell you what. Oh, that was yeah, that was and, my life. <laughs> I've, I've Sorry, been, I've Sorry become, I remember. I remember. No, it was it's good. fun. I've it become a fun. lot more polished since then. But you know, it's it, maybe you need to break that line out on the podcast. It was just how he was excited. Yeah, we got, we got to bring I the passion it. to it. But I, I think it. what made it so special is that, like, for me as a fan, especially a Cajuns fan from New Orleans, right? New Orleans, it's all Saints, LSU, Pelicans, even maybe a little bit of Tulane. But I was always the outlier. But I always enjoyed talking to people about the Cajuns. Because not many people really paid attention to them until they started winning. And, of course, you know, baseball and softball had the reputation, but football never really had a history until those New Orleans Bowl runs. And so, for me, I felt, like, proud because I was always there. Got to rep it hard. Got to rep it hard. And now, I mean, you know, my dad keeps bringing it up recently, but the Cajuns being in the top 25 in the Times-Picayune, or no, I'm sorry, the Advocate, they're calling them UL in New Orleans, which is something they've never done before. And, you know, talking about them as well as LSU, so – as a fan, it's always been there. Adding to what Matt started, I'm like, well, I, I always enjoy talking Cajun sports to people, and so I, why not do it in a podcast with Matt? And then, of course, with Josh, Man About Town. We all knew who Man About Town was on the message boards, and he was he's a he was always passionate. And I finally got to meet Josh years ago, and his hey, let, passion. Let me, let me let me ask you something. I'm gonna cut you off. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. So, 
When you met him in person, were you like, wait, this is the guy? You know, it's funny. He's, I, he's like, a, he's a good dude. Well, I always. This is the guy that writes that stuff? Well, it cracks me up. <laughs> <laughs> what cracks me up is that when I would see him post, it was always passionate regardless of whether or not I agreed with it or not. I just saw this is a passionate guy. I don't know him. I never met him. And then what's funny is he never told me. I guessed. And he kind of looked at me with this smile, and I'm like, are you who I think you are? And he kind of put his head down. He's like, yeah. But then after that, we created a friendship. We started, and we'd always talk about UL sports. And I saw the passion in Josh that went beyond just what he would post and whatever. You know, so I I was like, I told Matt, I said, well, why don't we bring Josh in too? And then he can bring and some I was, dialogue. I was very hesitant at first. No yeah, offense, bud. But, but once he came on, but once he came <laughs> on and, and, and started doing the episodes with us, it added another perspective that I thought all with all three of us mixed it was, in. I it thought was, it was great. It was good. It yeah. was it was it was the right move. Now that's only my opinion. It doesn't my opinion doesn't mean anything. But I, I, I think what all you guys have said is like once you sort of when it was the three of y'all was really it, it maybe a girl's mouth, but it's it seems like that's really when it finally sort of found its mm-hmm. takes a little while to sort of find what works and okay, this is kind of the right flow. It's like you watch it. Go back and binge watch a show. You, we see the first few episodes, and you're like, man. You watch a whole series, and you listen. You go back and you watch the first few episodes. You're like, man, everything's a little, little off. And then eventually, it sort of finds its way, right. and then it kind of just rides this wave that works. Sure. And it's, yeah. it seems like that's kind of what's happened for you guys. But to Jerry's point, ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. I'm Scott Prather. To Jerry's point, you know, for for the Rage and Review podcast, he said he was in New Orleans, right, and a lot of Saints, Pelicans, LSU, what have you. You got a lot of Saints podcasts. You got a lot of Pelicans podcasts. You got a lot of LSU podcasts. You got a lot of places to get. There's there's one UL podcast. So maybe in the future there's a lot more. Yeah, but sure. You can be you know Razor Review can be like it's the OG here. You know right. we were the <laughs> ones that did it that stuck with it. I'm not going to call you a podcast until you've had like at least ten episodes. Then I'm like, all right, you've done it. You've made it. And um, you know I I know you guys are doing different seasons. But how how many episodes is this now, Matt? God. We're over a hundred, aren't we? Season four, episode four, and last season. Last season was fifty three episodes. Fifty three episodes. That's right. I think. I think we're well over. I think we're over a hundred. How How has the the response been from the Cajun fans? So you know, at, at first it was it was a little mixed reactions because for for so long fourteen twenty and you know hot one zero seven nine or wherever you were getting your Cajun games and broadcast and whatnot were was really the only avenue to get information about the Cajuns from a radio perspective. So it was a little bit of a mixed feeling at first, but I think, like you said, Scott, as as the three of us kind of came together and we learned more about you know what we needed to do, who we needed to talk to, what we needed to talk about. That's when you know we, we really kind of got a grassroots culture behind us. Sure, and it took a little bit of time to figure out, like you said, the groove. And Scott, if you don't mind, I got a few rapid fire thoughts. Matt doesn't get enough credit for having the courage to go out. I don't know about all that. And try to put his name behind something. I don't know if I would have had the courage to do it. You know, I, I just I have a ton of respect for that. Uh, the fact that he continued to to try to improve through a year and a half of before he met Jerry and it, it you look it, it didn't exist. I mean, he created something out of nothing. Uh, from a podcast standpoint, if you look around the country, all serious programs have a podcast community, a blog community, a message board community, mm-hmm. whatever you want. Uh, what I think we've been able to do collectively is take that 
you know, look, traditional media has typically looked down on the podcast community. I'm sorry, the uh, message board community, the social media community. I think you know where I'm going with that. I think that media is constantly changing. You know that. Uh, I think we've been able to find some remnants of all of those worlds, put them together, and and build a a small community with Rage and Review. Yep. I think we've been able to do that. And our our listeners, we've we've surpassed the ten thousand unique listeners uh, mark earlier this year. So that that should tell you a little bit, you know, numbers wise, but. The feedback, the interaction socially, the interaction on social media, when we go to the ball games, when we have an administrator on, I think that really uh, it, it speaks for itself. The, the fact that we've been able to build something that has some sort of a voice that matters, you know, obviously we don't think. I mean, we're, just the just the no, national yeah. the national media guys that we've been able to sit down with. I mean, yeah. you've seen the names that we've been yeah. able to say yes to. So it's been it's been fun building something. You know, the fact that we were able to go out to local businesses and get some support financially. Right then and there, I mean, folks, names that you all would know um, said yes to us, and they they believed that there was a need, saw a need for a podcast. Or look at the end of the day, passion matters; it wins always. You get three guys in a room that have passion for something; they're going to build something. It doesn't matter where it starts; it's going to sure. it's going to go somewhere. You know, I and, I, uh, I respect it, man. I really do. Yeah, and, uh, thankfully, you know, we've had some other people to come along the way. And real quick on the man about town thing, okay. <laughs> Look, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm giving away secrets here, but that was always a character. It, it was a, it was, I created a character out of nothing on, on, on board late nights working overtime, and it generated conversation. You know, that, that message board has done a lot of things in the, over the years, but the few villains that showed up over the last decade started conversations that would not normally be there. And yeah, it pissed some people off. I understand that. I understand that, you know, status quo is just... Kind of the way things are, change is difficult, but it really made people think. I, I think it helped a generation, uh, you know, a HUD generation of winning, you know, a totally different feeling, really having pride in the community, uh, understanding that UL is directly linked and the health of UL is directly linked to this community. I think I pounded the stand on that for years. Matt was all about the Man About Town character, was all about talking about these um, situations that we didn't typically talk about around here. Just it just wasn't something that was normal conversation. That was that. That was what it was all about. Now, you know, of course, I got into a few arguments here and there, but it it, it generated interest, and that was the entire point behind the man about town character. And now it's kind of funny because we all know each other well, and these guys know I would do anything for them. They know I work hard. They know that I do a ton, and I'm very detail oriented and really behind this whole effort because. Mm-hmm. We have passion for it. We have passion for the community. We have passion for the Cajuns. That's the only way we're going to continue to build this community and go forward. Yeah, don't don't let Josh feed my ego and give me this podcast wouldn't run as well as it does. Well, I think we all do something well. If it well. wasn't for his detail orientation. I no think we, we all do that. something well. That's what I think. All right, good stuff. We are visiting with the guys from Rage and Review, the podcast. If you're a Cajuns fan, and even if you're not, um, support these guys most people listening know how podcasts work. Just in case they don't, guys, how can they find you? Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, uh, Amazon Music, Spotify, social media, Facebook, Twitter, at Rage and Review, and on www.RageandReviewPod.com. All right, we're going to take a quick time out. We'll come back and talk some football with the guys. It's the Great Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather. Dr. Brian Maggard coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. We'll talk about Saints cuts as well in the 8 o'clock hour. 
But the guys from Rage and Review with me for another segment right here. It's ESPN 1420. Don't go anywhere. Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather. Visiting with the guys from the Rage and Review podcast, Matt, Josh, and Duty. Kind of gave us the story behind the story of the podcast, how it works, and why they do it. The most obvious reason why you do it is you guys have a, a deep passion for UL, a passion I respect. Um, I can't say that I have that same kind of passion. Don't get me don't get me wrong. I mean, I I want you all to succeed. Obviously, it's great for the station. We cover it. There's sort of this line between like for me when it comes to the Cajuns where I I didn't sort of grow up and in, and in, into that tribe, right? But I've covered them long enough to now have sort of friendships and relationships with people that work there, and so. For me, that's more what I what I root for is those individuals. Um, I get happy for them, and and I always root for you out to win. But it's not this thing for me like where it may be for you, where boy, a, a gut wrenching loss is just like, oh yeah, just that. I mean, it is like complete devastation and gut wrenching. Now there there's some aspects of like of that in in my life for some sports teams, but. For you guys, like, is that, I mean, that's what it is, right? Like the the highs and lows of just being such a hardcore fan. You know, the, the three of us will all agree. If it is a loss in a game that we feel we should have won or played well enough to win, you know, whatever the factor may be, you don't want to talk to us for like six hours after the game. That's when y'all need to hit record, man. That's when the, that's when the, that's when the sausage is made. Well, look, it's funny you say that because some of our most popular episodes and where I really believe we we um, attracted our most uh, loyal listeners were those reaction podcasts last year, kind of navigating that season, a special season, historic season. I think that that was where we really made our mark, and uh, I think the listener numbers really. Yep. They really reflect that. It's hilarious because when we beat Iowa State, we were texting each other, and of course, I'm I'm at my I'm at the house doing the Twitter feed for the game. I'm a nervous wreck. Kayla's laughing at me because I'm going back and forth in, in in the living room, even even with the fact that we were up like 24 to 14. Still nervous because you're just waiting for the typical CDS, right? The Cajun disaster syndrome, just waiting to happen. It's like being a Saints fan. You just in, of the past, right? You just know, oh my gosh, we're gonna find a way to blow it, and then lo and behold, we didn't. And and so we're texting each other back and forth, going, okay, we're we're, we're meeting, we're meeting up after this, we're doing the reaction pod. And I just remember, yeah, we couldn't wait to get behind the mic, getting in the car, and I think we we did it at Josh's house, yeah. And we we show up to Josh's house. Josh and I are high fiving, and then all of a sudden. Matt walks in like five minutes later and just lets out this loud yell 
like, oh, you know, just let all the emotion out. Very primal. And I'm yeah, just like, was. what was that? He goes, man, I was at work. I couldn't, I couldn't let any emotion out. <laughs> I had to be quiet. I, I, I worked a 14 hour shift <laughs> that day. We just, we, it was one of the greatest episodes and we got Jay on, uh, believe it or not, Jay Walker. We were yeah. able to get him on for about five minutes and he was, you know, emotional about it. And, and, and it was just, it was probably Touchdown, one of the- Touchdown, Louisiana. Touchdown, Louisiana. It was probably one of the best episodes we did Some, because it was so raw. Somebody asked him, is this, uh, where does this rank in your, in your career? And I think his answer was, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> Jay Walker. Uh, no, Jay's been a great supporter of the podcast. He's, he's He's been on two times now. He's been a couple yeah. times. He's, he's you know, he the one thing that's great about the pod is that we can do long form interviews. We can sit down and and regale years and years of split memories a, and split a bottle split a bottle of bourbon. Uh, yeah, knock down a bottle of bourbon. So I it's, mean, he is cheap. It's, it's, you got to you got to give him something. Well, <laughs> give him some to his credit, Alcohol when he does bring me food. some bourbon, it's it's usually a pretty decent, it's it's a good selection. But he's he's usually getting it from Craig, so I don't no, know yeah, how no, much. Don't 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 come on. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's let's be real here. There's no way I can't not give Jay grief if we're talking about him. Um, <laughs> he is a, a a very close friend of mine, and um, so here we are. You're right. Uh, we're shoot what four days away. Uh, have Great. you all uh, mm-hmm. back on briefly for? Um, you know, on Friday, just for uh, a talk about the actual game against Texas. But for now, just the outlook for this season. It's a historic season. Um, unprecedented going into it. The Cajuns will probably be favored in all but this upcoming game. Uh, we'll see what happens with Liberty. Maybe the fact that if they're undefeated or so, I don't know. But right now, no one's going to be surprised if they're favored in every game except this one. Yep, right. um, unprecedented. Just success coverage from the national media. Um, it 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 feels weird, guys, because I feel like at a local level, it should. It, I think it should be even bigger. I guess the buzz, and I don't, you know, the pandemic and and a number of other things, whatever. But it's like it's kind of like, man, folks have been waiting a long time for this. I mean, where where are you guys at? Uh, we'll start with you, Matt, in terms of your outlook for this season and. We don't need to get into the whole journey of your fandom up to this point, but just as a fan and just objectively for the the 2021 outlook for the UL football team. As a fan, you know, the success that we've had over the last couple of years, and I I feel we'll continue to have this year, it's been a long time coming. I mean, I can remember games where – I can remember seasons where 6-6 and was like we did it. So, I mean, to to be talking about back-to-back double-digit win seasons is – is absolutely an unreal. Objectively, you know, I'll put on my my sports writer hat with this one. I mean, I think the Cajuns are set for another unprecedented historic year. Uh, you know, like you said, I think the only game that they're going to be dogs in is this Saturday against Texas, and and even that game. I mean, I see a large percentage of if the Cajuns coming out with a win, Josh. Well, to your point about the coverage, uh, first of all, Coach Nate probably would love this. You know, this is like anti-rat poison right here. So, uh, but it is a little disappointing to feel so much buzz and so much excitement as a fan. And look, I'll give Foot a lot of credit. His his articles have been spectacular. His coverage has been really, really good this year. For some reason, it feels better than than before. Uh, and, and look, I have a ton of respect for for Kevin and everything he does, but. His articles recently have really gotten me 
excited for the season. As far as TV and radio, you know, things have changed around here, Scott, and you know that uh, just from, you know, your own perspective here in the, in the studio. You know, I know things have changed, so maybe that has a lot to do with the coverage. Uh, but but towards as far as the outlook of the season, I think if you look at the schedule, there are, there are some holes, some, some landmines that people are not necessarily uh, thinking about. Everybody's kind of focused on Texas. I'm much more worried about the Liberty game than I am about the Texas game. Um, see, Texas for me is a little bit different than probably most. I think that Texas is a showcase for our program. If we walk out of there with a seven-point loss, am I going to be devastated? Sure. If we walk out of there and we play well and we represent this community and we, we forward the brand like I know we can, it's going to be a lot harder, to, uh, a lot easier to get over a loss, if that makes any sense. So uh, in the immediate future, Texas is exciting. I'm excited. I'm going to be at the ball game. I know these guys are going to be excited and, and ready to roll. But uh, from the season standpoint, you know, of course, I, I, I'm i never the guy that can say I expect 10 wins because I can't expect 10 wins. I know what that means. We've done it one time, you know, so so it's yet to be seen, man. I think that we have all the pieces from the top down, administration to water boy, water gal. I think we have all the right pieces in place, and I think it'll be a special season. But I'm going to hold off on predictions for now. Duty? Um. I was seven years old the night we beat Texas A&M. I was on the sideline with my dad when Damon Mason returned it back for the pick six that everybody remembers. Uh, that was the night I, I I tell everybody I became a diehard Cajuns fan. I thought every game was like that. 40,000 people <laughs> screaming and uh, going only, crazy. Right? And then the following year, I'm sitting in Cajun Field in the rain watching us lose to a Division II school in North Alabama. And the 1-10 in 10 seasons, the 9-46 and 46 stretch from 97 to 2001. And I just... I just had a I was just optimistic the whole time like we're going to we're going to break through we're going to break through and it took a little bit longer than what we would have liked but um it makes years like this looking back at those years and looking at the the program just kind of evolve into what it is today it just makes it so much sweeter as a fan. I mean, we're sitting here talking about the national a nationally ranked Cajuns team. I mean, a preseason top 25 team. I mean, that in itself for this program is huge perception-wise and you know, Fox Fox Sports is televising this game as a primetime game against the Texas Longhorns, the richest program in America. And we are, they have 21 Texas versus 23 Louisiana. I mean, that, you can't, that, that is, that is the most, as far as value, you can't put a, put a value or a price tag on what this does for this university. And so with that, um, as a fan that's great, like Matt said, I'm going to put my hat on as an analyst here. I, I think this game we position ourselves perception-wise, like Josh mentioned, perception-wise. Texas doesn't scare me, per se, um, because they have a new head coach, brand-new quarterback. Uh, they, were, they, they have a lot of guys they need to replace. But at the same time, you're going to Austin in front of 100,000 screaming Texas fans, and it's, it's still the Texas Longhorns. You know, it's still, you know, hook them horns. You know, they, they were the top story of this summer going to the SEC in 2025 or maybe earlier. And so you're playing that team and you, and for the first time ever, I guess, as a Cajuns team, we have a chance to actually beat them. Well, so I'll get your prediction on the game uh, Friday, but yeah, the outlook for the season, it's, it, you know, hearing you guys talk about it, it's almost like you've waited so long for this moment. 
And there's part of you that's like, why doesn't everyone else feel like this? But I do think that for, you know, some of the hardcore fans and boosters that I speak to, and you guys probably speak to more than I do, but there's a number that I know, and they're, I think they all understand this moment in time, how big it is, how long they've waited. It's kind of like, you know, with kids, and and Josh, you, you know about this, it's like the days go slow, but the years go fast, Kind of look at a program where the last time they went to Texas 16 years ago, losing 60 to three, and sort of the idea of UL being nationally ranked and being possibly the best team in the group of five, and having a coach that is probably as rare as I've maybe ever seen in college football for a number of reasons, which I'll get into in a minute. But the thought of all of that sort of becoming reality, if you go back then, it's like, nah. I mean, even <laughs> right, even right. even for like the most passionate fans, but then but then you're sort of fighting back on those that sort of doubt the program, like oh, you're never going to do this or that. And then here you are, and and it's reality. Sixteen years later, you're going back to Texas, and it's twenty three versus twenty one or twenty three versus nineteen, depending on what poll you want to. Which fans are going to follow the poll that ranks their team the highest? Um, I would say Cajun fans will say the one where Coastal's ranked behind us. That's what right. Cajun fans are <laughs> thinking. The coaches poll, but sure. here you are, and it's like the reality. It's like maybe it's like why isn't there more? But I think it's like for the Cajun fans, it's there. But there's this hope that like more people could sort of ride that wave, and maybe this season, maybe a win Saturday, maybe sort of uh, just win or lose, whatever. But maybe at some point this season, more people sort of jump on that um, that wave of momentum and really because I, I it doesn't happen often, man. Like you, the fact that Louisiana's got a head coach that is 42. Has taken his, you could say, turned down, taken his name out of the running, whatever phrase you want to use. He has been offered jobs, give or take, maybe not officially, at P5 programs. And that's just, it's not what coaches in his position typically do. And yet he's done it. And, you know, that article that Scarborough did, uh, I think that's Alex's name, um, where it's like he knows I'm about to ask Billy about this yesterday, right? Does, Does it get old? constantly hearing that question from the national media and in typical Coach Napier fashion, he's like, well, no, because it always gives me an opportunity to talk about the program. You know, he's, he's always focused sort of on that and instead of just getting annoyed by it or whatever. But there's a reason national media constantly asks him that. The fact that UL's got what 16 years ago would have felt like, of all the things that, that, that are a reality now, the national ranking, the fact that you're going to Texas and you're only a, what, eight-and-a-half-point dog, and yeah. um, the fact that you're in the conversation for best G5 school. I think the most, if you had told me 16 years ago sort of where they are now, the thing that I would have found most difficult to believe is actually Coach Billy Napier. Like, right. that, that is the most rare thing about all of this. And, of course, that's also the key to all of this. And I'm not, you know, I'm, 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 I'm not – hard or as hard as others are on some yield coaches, but I'm not going to blow smoke up one that doesn't sort of deserve it. I mean, I'm, I haven't said anything about Billy. That's not 100% true. Um, I may not always tear him down, but I'm not always going to build him up depending on how they're doing. And I I don't need to build Billy up. I mean, he's that, that's the most rare thing to me. Anyway, I'm just going on a tangent here. No, you know, it's, it, it's, and it's and I, crazy. I personally appreciate someone that's not going to do either or, and, you know, you, you you hit on something there. I think that nothing prepares you as a fan, as a person, as a father, whatever, 
Nothing prepares you for what you think it's going to be like versus what it's actually going to be like. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of people are experiencing this success through the eyes of what they thought it might be like. And when they're experiencing something different, they're kind of hesitant, uh, reluctant to buy in. Mm -hmm. And and I think that kind of speaks to the people here. Um, And that's not a knock. Uh, I I mentioned this to Nico when we interviewed him at at Mid-City, I said, you know, this community is loyal, uh, almost to a fault. When you get them on your side, they'll ride for you. But it it takes a little bit to get them there. And, I mean, if you think about the things that Coach Napier has had to deal with since he's been here, whether it be COVID, whether it be natural disasters, whether it be, you know, building back a program that had seen some success for a few years, um, bad scheduling. And when I say that, I mean, not on Brian's part, but just having to take a Tuesday, a Thursday night game, uh, you know, only having three or four Saturday home games where tailgating kind of went down where we used to hang our hat on that. And that really built atmosphere. I think, you know, if we didn't have to deal with all those things, maybe that atmosphere from the tailgate carries into Cajun Field and, and, you know, you stop having to ask folks, hey, put the beer down, come watch some football. I think that that would have been a nice marriage for everybody involved. Unfortunately, those things happened and to his credit, he's just persevered through it all with a great attitude. The man always has the right thing to say, the positive thing to say, the professional thing to say about this community, this program, his boss, his bosses. Um, you know, he, he really is. He was a godsend at the time, and, and thank God he's still here. It is a little bit of a miracle that he's still here. For sure. And I, I think it's hard to quantify that. Because we all have our theories, and I certainly do. I think his wife loves it here, and that's really the bottom line. (laughs) I mean, you're married. You're about to be married. You're married. It matters, man. It matters to live in a community where you want to raise children and your wife is happy. That matters. So I think it's a testament to all of us, uh, the the people that support him, the people that show up to the quarterback clubs uh, when we were in person, and, and, and the community at large. I think that we're all responsible a little bit in small part to him wanting to stay yeah, I mean, I I I agree a hundred percent. You hit the nail. <clears throat> excuse me. You hit the nail on the head. It's a um, the man's. You mentioned the word loyalty a couple times, Josh. He's just loyal to his staff too. You know, fiercely. Um, if they leave to get a better job, he's backing them a hundred percent. But he he wants he wants guys with him. Uh, he wants guys he can trust. And um, you know, it's funny because people bring up the the. Nick Saban a lot because he was a disciple of Saban, but he's very, um, he's a lot more soft, reserved, personable. Yeah. Reserved, um, yeah. Just uh, yeah, like um, and I I know some people locally that that know Saban on a personal level, and they they have nice things to say about Nick, but Nick's also, um, I don't know, he's like passing a kidney stone at times. He's just not. <laughs> I was going to say sociopath. Yeah. You know, I mean, Billy's got such a, I don't know. There's, there's a, um, there's a, a factor that comes into play in terms of his faith and like sort of what it means to him and how he lives his life and stuff. And I love hearing stories, you know, when I ask him about his dad and his upbringing and I like talking off the air, you know, we're close to the same age. We have young kids and you talk to enough coaches sort of off the air and you, you, it didn't happen right away. Sort of, it took him a little while to to trust me. But once he did, it's such a. There's some coaches that are just. It's like, um, how do I put it? I don't really watch wrestling anymore. But you know, like they say, like some wrestlers, they're always on. They're mm-hmm. constantly that persona, even when they're not working. And then there are others that are just okay. They're they're being real right now. They're not at work or whatever. There's some coaches that are like 
wrestlers that never sort of turn off. It's like, guys, this I'm not I don't have the mic on. Like I don't even, I don't even <laughs> right. care right now. I'm not even working. Like I'd rather you not try to do this. And then there are others that are like, you start talking to them and it's like, you know, it's just genuine and real. And you do it long enough, you can kind of read people. And Billy's just a real guy. And, um, you know, I, I, he chuckled. I was like, it's cool. If, I mean, I've called you Billy for like a couple of years now. I didn't write away. Is that cool? And he's like, no. And then he laughed. He's like, of course it is. I'm just joking. But, you know, <laughs> going back to the Deion Sanders thing, you know, he um, he, had a, he had a laugh about that. But he is, uh, he's very, you know, it's just, again, the thing that seems most sort of surreal about this moment for UL football, if you had told me 16 years ago, oh, they're going to be ranked, they're going to be one of the better teams in the country, they're going to go back to Texas, they're going to be a slight underdog, uh, and they're going to have this coach that has, you know, basically had offers from some SEC, P5 programs have taken a look at him, and he's been like, no, I'm good. Be like, yeah, the last part, I'm not, <laughs> I, I, I don't believe that, but the other stuff, and yet here you are, sort of believe it. So I just, you know, I, I hope the community sort of realizes, fully realizes what they have right now, because you'll probably, I'm not saying you'll never have a good coach again, um, but I don't think you'll ever have one like that again, and, and, unless he sets some standard that people try to copy, but I just... I don't know. Maybe I'm too cynical. I just I don't believe it. And you know, to add on to that, Scott, we t- we talked about the the P five jobs that Billy Napier has kind of, you know, like you said, turned down, took his name out of whatever you want to call it. What really sunk it for me was this past weekend when Nebraska and Illinois played, and fans were upset about the way Nebraska played, and you know everybody wants Scott Frost fired, yeah. and you know all this stuff, and you read on social media well, why don't we get Billy Napier from Louisiana? And then people comment, why would Napier go to Nebraska? Again, and that's, th- 16 years ago. And then that's, that was the moment where it truly hit me. Like, God, we have a program that people would rather be coaching at than P5s. And, and you know, to add on to the accolades of Billy, one thing about him, I've talked to a few players that have graduated, played for him, and one thing that I find about him that every player tells me is that they feel that they can trust him. Uh, he's very genuine. Yep. His personality is exactly the same all throughout. Outside of a few times, he'll get he'll show some emotion and passion, but you know, even when he disciplines a player, like he's very soft-spoken, but at the end of the day, the players like he's he's genuine about mm-hmm. it. He's not gonna like you say, he's not gonna blow smoke, he's not gonna lie, he's not gonna try to just just to say it, just to say it. He's real. And I think the players feed off of that. You see it in the locker room, you see how united and tight that locker room is, you see how confident they are. I mean, one thing that I've heard from national pundits, whether it's going into the Iowa State game last year, going into the Texas game this year, is that he always has them ready. They're disciplined enough. And the team actually believes under his leadership that no matter who they play, mm-hmm. they are going to win. You know, I've followed UL teams in the past who didn't believe that. You go play a Texas in 2005, it's, well, we're going to collect our check and we're hopefully don't get too much injuries and let's hope we just keep it respectable. This team is the complete opposite. It's, look, we're going to Austin and we're going to win. There's no question about yeah, we're, it. We're going to take their money yeah, and walk out with we're a We're going to get our nice check and we're going to come out with a W. And I think that's the difference in that, you know, Billy has created that type of culture, but it's a culture that's genuine. Mm-hmm. And, and it goes a long way. And that's why you're seeing a, a 23rd ranked team in that locker room right there. He, um, he also, ESPN 1420, I'm Scott Prather, visiting with the guys from the Rage and Review podcast. And it's not like he's without fault. I mean, I'm not trying to make him out to be, you know, uh, Jesus or anything. Uh, but on, on to that point, like, I don't even remember the exact 
situation. There was a game last year where Levi made a, a mistake. I don't know if he – I wish I could remember. I don't remember the exact details. He did something in a game where it might have been it might have been a clock management type thing, but I remember asking him about it, uh, Coach Napier, about it, you know, the Monday after the game, and I was like, is that a situation where maybe you, looking back you would have rathered, um, you know, called the timeout before or gone over that situation so he didn't do this? God, I really wish I could remember it. But the, basically his response was, you know, that's a fair question, and I made a mistake there. I mean, like, I don't, I'm not acting like I know more or anything. It was just a sort of a simple thing. But he didn't get defensive. He's like, no, that's a, that's a good point, you know, and, and he'll point out to stuff. Now, if he, you know, if the media asks him a question and he doesn't agree with it, which happened in, in a game that had to do with, you know, taking a safety and other stuff, he'll, it's not like, my point is, it's not lip service one way or the other. Right. Right. But he is at a point where he's like, I'm, I made a mistake there. He's not constantly. If he's being defensive, I guess it's with in his mind good reason. But there's a, there's a reality too. Even when he makes mistakes, he's still like open about it. He's not. He's just not worried about. I don't know. He's just not worried about the BS. Well, look at you the times. I mean? I mean, look at the times after wins. I mean, and you've been in those those um, press conferences, those post games, and he'll say it even after wins. It's like, well, we need to get better. I need to do better. And it's like, coach, we we won the game. But it's not yeah. lip service either. No, he's leg- he's legitimately being real about it, and it's like, well. Coach, we won by three touchdowns, and he'll say in the press conference, well, we, we missed out on this. We should have done that. Yep. We need to get better. And yes. I'm like, I would, oh, I would, right, I would right. love to have a, just one time, just have one of y'all on the fan, the we, like, Coach, we we messed up right here. What are you doing? <laughs> and he just looks at duty like, who are you again? <laughs> right. Then right. you're like, and then you tell me your dad is. He's like, oh. Yeah, he, he's, yeah. I've, I've yeah, gotten yeah. to meet him a few times. He's really, really nice. Oh, guy. now I know who you are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, we, we've, we've, we're going to have you guys on briefly on Friday. We're going to record a segment away on Friday, just your thoughts briefly on the Texas game. Um, but I feel like I've, I've kept you all long enough. I hope folks have enjoyed it. But real quick, Razor Interview Podcast, um, it's all UL stuff from Jerry, Josh, and Matt, three guys that are really passionate about UL. So if folks are listening and they're on the fence, maybe they're not into the podcasting thing, um, you should be. You should listen to the Great Scott Show podcast, right? You should listen Duh. to the interview with Billy Napier yeah. and, uh, and and these guys. But um, but how can folks find you guys, Matt? On social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Rage Interview, RageInterviewPod.com, and you can get the podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts, Apple, Google, Amazon, it's Spotify. Simple. It's simple. On your own time, on demand. I know that, like, for this show, I mean, I, I see the numbers. It's – um. We live in a digital age, fellas. So yeah, you gotta, you yeah. gotta, you gotta absolutely. find them there. And there, oh, yeah. a lot of people listen, but it might not be live. Um, and most importantly, before we get out of here, what's your favorite uh, Beastie Boy song? Sabotage. Okay, I was, was also uh, gonna say sabotage or Brass Monkey. Ooh, I gotta go with Brass Monkey. I've been to the keg way too either, much to hear either Brass, Brass Monkey. And like Coach Napier is a sabotage, so I hey, figured that was a sabotage. Let's play it. All right, it's Rage and Review. Check out their podcast, guys. Appreciate you all coming in, man. Thanks, Scott. Appreciate you, Scott. Thanks for having us, man. We're going to dig into some of the Saints cuts. What might be next for Deuce Wallace? I uh, chatted with him yesterday via text. I'll tell you about that. Week one in college football. A lot to get into. Where are the Saints going to play week one? Dr. Brian Magger is going to join me uh, bottom of the 8 o'clock hour as well, so stay tuned. Jerry, Josh, Matt, thank you guys for coming in. Yeah, once again, thank you, Scott. All right, I'm Scott Prey, the great Scott show. It's ESPN 1420. Rolls on right after this. Sabotage.